Are you ready to make some real good learning? You've come to the right place. Welcome to the Good Learning Podcast, where we dive deep into real world examples of real good learning as told by the best L&D professionals in the field. I'm your host, Sarah Canistra, founder and chief learning strategist at the Good Learning Agency, a boutique fractional CLO agency advising on corporate learning strategy that's aligned, effective, and approachable. At Good Learning, we believe over-the-top results don't require over-the-top learning. Each episode, we'll take a holistic look at a specific learning intervention, how it came to fruition, what went into developing it, how it was measured, lessons learned, and so much more. You'll hear from real-life L&D practitioners from all over the world who are doing the work and making some real good learning happen while doing it. No matter what your function is inside of your organization or team, we're all responsible for creating real good learning. Now, let's go see how it's done. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Good Learning Podcast. I am so happy you're here. We are almost at 500 downloads in just two short weeks, and it's been such an amazing wild ride to have you all here have you supporting the Good Learning Podcast, uh, the agency, the newsletter, so many amazing things that we've been working on and launching and working to support you and creating some real good learning. And today on the show, we have not only one of my favorite L&D people, but my favorite people ever, like on the planet. (laughs) We have Matt Jertson here, and Matt is the founder and chief learning officer of Better Everyday Studios, which is a full-service instructional design team that helps companies with everything from needs analysis to content creation and delivery. Matt began his instructional career in the U.S. Air Force, where he was an instructor pilot, and then became the manager of training and development for SpaceX. Since then, he's gone on to work with numerous startups across multiple industries, and today we're talking all about compliance training. I know it's not the sexiest topic, but as we are all L&D practitioners, we know it's such a big part of the work that we do. We work for organizations. We work for companies. There are laws. There is a lot that we have to do to remain in compliance. And Matt today is going to talk about how we create real good compliance training that still aligns with what it is our learners need. So I cannot wait for y'all to dive into this episode and I'll catch you on the other side. Matt, welcome to the Good Learning Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited. Yeah, I'm so, so, so excited. It's always nice to have, we were talking about this before the show, but other podcasters on as well. So I'm sure at the end, you'll let us know where we can listen to you uh, being the interviewer. But today you are the interviewee, which I'm really excited about. And as you know, this show really is designed for learning professionals by learning professionals. And you are one of the best out there. I was so excited we got a chance to finally meet in person at ATD um, a couple of times uh, back in May. And I was like, you need to come on the podcast. So super, super, super excited that you're here. We're going to talk about a specific learning program or intervention that you designed or developed or managed or all the things. But before we kick off, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, your career, uh, where you work and what your role is? Yeah, absolutely. So, and and by the way, thank you so much for that introduction already. I was super excited to meet you as as well. Uh, seeing you know, been seeing you for 
for years all over the LinkedIn's and the, the socials and stuff. So that was really, really great to meet you. Yeah, same. Uh, yeah, so uh, my name is Matt Jertson. I'm the founder of Better Everyday Studios, which is a learning development consulting company. We're an instructional design team that really is focused on helping learning teams get more impact out of their training. So we do everything from ideation through to the actual creation and delivery of, of the content. Um, so I've been having a lot of fun with that over the last about, about a year and a half or so. Um, and before this, I started my instructional career as an uh, instructor pilot in the U.S. Air Force. So I did that for about eight years, teaching people how to fly a number of different kinds of planes, left the Air Force to join SpaceX, where I led the training development team there for a couple of years. Um, those two experiences kind of formed a lot of the foundation of how I think about learning and development. Uh, went to another startup for a little while, help build build that learning team. And then, um, and then, yeah, started, started Better Everyday Studios. That's awesome. Yeah. I love, love hearing like the journey too. And I know so many people who have been in all the branches of, of the military who have found their, their home in learning and development too. And there's just so many incredible skills that you learn, um, especially training people to fly planes, you know, I'm sure yeah. that's very applicable. Like you're like, oh, I could teach you to do anything. If I could yeah. teach someone to fly a plane, I could teach you to literally do anything. Well, well, totally. I mean, that was the thing. It's it's funny that there are a lot of military people because like I always say, um, you know, the U.S. military is the U.S. military because of training. Like we just like yeah. we train, we train, we train. That's all, that's all you do in the military. And I didn't even know. And, I, and I've heard this story many times from other veterans. You don't know learning development is a thing that, that that's a career like it's not something that exists in quite the same way in the military. And so I left active duty because I wanted to work for SpaceX and I had no idea how I was going to get there. And I just was, you know, trying to network with people and connected with some with a launch site director who said, well, we need help with training. Can you do training? And it was literally what you just said. Sure. Like I've taught people how to fly planes. I can train people. <laughs> and then that, it's so kinda, true. that opened up the rabbit hole to the whole L&D industry. And I just fell in love. I love that. Yeah. I was talking to someone yesterday. I said you know, for so long in my career, I, I always loved helping people and I loved learning. And I didn't know those two things. Yes. existed until I found, luckily found learning and development. So uh, speaking of learning and development, let's talk about uh, what we're going to talk about today. So tell us a little bit more about the learning intervention that we're going to cover more specifically, like what was the business challenge or change that you were hoping to solve for this specific learning intervention? Absolutely. So there, there were a number that I thought of, but I wanted to focus on one that's been really near and dear to my heart for a while. And it's something that my company is kind of focusing on right now. And that's really streamlining compliance training, because mm -hmm. I think compliance training at companies gets a really bad rap. It's just the thing that you have to do. And especially if you are in a high compliance uh, industry, you know, if you're in like, you know, if you're in construction, manufacturing, we're talking hours per year per employee that is very often just kind of off the shelf stuff, right? You know, you just phone up the or, you know, look up online the nearest safety training company and just download whatever they have. And that was the situation that we found ourselves in with this this one company I was working with, where they just had this giant amalgamation of like 35 mm -hmm. odd courses and some of them were duplicative some were that you know because you know these regulations can vary state to state and so they would have like 
fall protection California, fall protection Florida, you know, and and then just a fall a general fall protection course. And nobody knew what they were supposed to take, how often they were supposed to take it. It was just kind of blindly assigned out through the learning management system. And for the average, you know, worker, especially if you're a technician who's not at your computer all the time, you're not really questioning it. You just sit down and you have an email and it says, take this course. And so you take the course. And so, you know, you're could be wasting just like tons and tons of time. And so it was, how do we get more engagement out of these courses? How do we increase the um, the completion rate of these courses? And then honestly, most importantly, how do we decrease the time spent in these trainings? Because uh, it's, and I've, I've posted about this before, I actually think time spent learning can be an excellent metric if you reverse it from what we normally think about. Usually learning teams are like, we're gonna increase the time spent learning because that shows people are really doing what, what you know, we're, they're using our products. But from the company's point of view, that's probably a bad thing, <laughs> you know? And yeah. so, especially with compliance, if you can get the same outcome in less time, that's just a win for everybody. Oh yeah. And I think you think too, I, I love it. I love, as soon as you said compliance, I didn't know ahead of time what we were talking about. Uh, and since you said it, I was like, I got really excited because I think it does get a really bad rap. Yet it's one of the most important parts of training because of all yeah. the like, like not only legalities, but the actual safety part. Like people, people yes. can get really, really, really hurt, uh, like severely injured if they're not following proper protocols. But to your point, where a lot of times we're just Googling real quick, oh, how do I find fall prevention? And that's it, right? And we're like, okay, yeah. great. And, and it's, it becomes more of that like check the box versus are we actually helping to make the workplace more safe too? Yeah. So I love that. Also, how, how do we make the workplace less safe, get them back to work? And I love the idea of how do we flip that and say, it's not actually a good thing that they're spending more time training. We want to make sure they're doing, they're just doing their job and going back on the job and spending more time on the job doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're a hundred percent right. And I would also add one more is that, you know, usually the compliance courses are the first interaction that company, that employees have with the learning team So true. and it sets the tone, right? If it's, if it's really boring and really old, then that's just like what they expect from your oh, team yeah. from then on. And oh, so when yeah. they get assigned uh, you know, interview skills, management skills, wh whatever, like that's what they're going to expect. And they're going to go into it with the same, I'm going to just, I can sit back. I don't have to pay attention. I just click next as fast as I can. Um, and that's, it sets the tone for your interactions with employees. Yeah, that's so valid. And I think, again, it, get, it gets such, it's the afterthought, but it's the first thing people, people see. It's yeah. funny. Uh, my husband in his last company, it was his like first week. I'm like, oh, how's your first week going? He's like, you know, I'm just doing all that HR bullshit. And I'm like, what, yes. well, tell, tell me more about HR bullshit. And it's like, it was all the like the safety. It was the sexual harassment. Yes. Like, obviously we know it's not bullshit because like we, those are very, very, very important things. But because he doesn't have a learning mind to him, he, it was his first introduction to the company and it was not presented in a way that showcased how is this now applicable how can I get through this in a way where I learn it? I make sure I'm clear on what my expectations are and then I can go back to work. Yeah. <laughs> I can actually go yeah. do my job. So yeah. I love that we are talking about that today. So when we think about coming in, 
this particular project, having this huge amalgamation, this library of compliance training that is the first impression for this organization. As you started to look into this, what what really informed your strategy around creating a solution? And really what what kind we can kind of fast forward to of like what did that solution end up looking like? Yeah. So for me, I, I always center on behavior because that's and that goes back to kind of where I came from, you know, in the, you know, teaching people how to fly. It's it is about behavior. It's like, are you flying the plane correctly or incorrectly? Are you land are you able to land? Um, I, I spent a bit of time teaching people how to uh, run marathons, same, same thing there. It's all about behaviors. And so when I basically I would look at all these courses and just say, like, OK, like, what is the key thing that people need to take away from this? What are you actually trying to teach them how to do and then strip out? everything else that's not needed, you know, and I think especially in safety training, um, one of the most common slides or common sections of the course is about, you know, it lists out all the OSHA regulations that this course is based off of. Who, what what purpose does that serve? Like no one needs to know the particular num reference number of like, it came from this regulation. Like that doesn't actually help anybody do the job. Um, similarly, you think about, you know, this was common in a, in a I always use this example of a course on fall protection where it had this lengthy discussion about how if a work platform is this many inches above the ground, then it requires a railing with at least uh, two different you know, railings on it that have to be separated by this many inches. And if it's this high above the ground, then it has to have a kick plate at the bottom that has to be at least this many inches high. And I just sat there thinking like, are these technicians like engineering the stairs or are they using the stairs, right? Like this does, none of this makes sense. And so yeah. I think when it comes to thinking about what was going to be in it, that was the first pass is like making sure everything was related to the actual things that we wanted people to do in, in the workplace. Uh, and then the second thing that really informed it again, you know, in the military, most training is very long, you know, like pilot training was a year long. And so that creates the opportunity for everything to be woven together, where no single learning intervention is seen as standalone. They all mm. work together. And so rather than seeing these 35 disparate courses as individual learning events, it's like, what's the holistic arc here? Because very often it would all start with the same five minute intro of safety is important, you know, and there'd be common themes. And so you know, after we pull out all the information that just doesn't need to be there because it's not serving any purpose, how do we streamline it even more by kind of like connecting the dots of of pulling if if two courses are saying the same thing or serving the same audience, how do we merge them together so that they can be seen as one holistic learning and as opposed to these separate distinct courses? Um, so that was the, that was the second thing. And then in terms of just other things that inform the strategy are all the basics of like what's the reality of the situation of the company that you're working with, and in this situation it was a it was a it was a very distributed company like they had lots of different sites and they had very their their safety team was was very stretched in terms of resources so there was you know even though in in the maybe the greatest way to do this to do safety training would be to be do have like a live immersive kind of thing that's taught you know in person with hands-on stuff you knew immediately that was off the table like it just wasn't right. going to happen so it, we had to come back to e-learning um and so in that e-learning environment then okay how do you because it needed to be asynchronous 
It needed to be on demand. And so how do we do that in the most streamlined way possible with those first two things? I love that. Uh, I took away just so much, so much of what you just said. The first was how often we see, especially in e-learning, or actually in, in IELTS, it proceed across the board with those things of the OSHA, uh, you know, where, where it lives and what yeah. the, you know, the OSHA regulation. And I was just thinking like, when you get pulled over for speeding, which I haven't done in a long time, but you get pulled over, the cop's not like, accordance to, you know, yeah. law number, blah, yeah. blah, 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 you were speeding. It's like, you were speeding. <laughs> like, yeah, you it. know, it's like you were going 45 <laughs> in the 30. Yeah. And, and, so, like, and the cop's not citing that. <laughs> and if they pulled you over and you could cite it, They'd still give you the ticket. Exactly. Like you, were, you were still speeding. <laughs> yeah. So what is, I, I love that. It's like, what is having that knowledge? Does that knowledge actually help inform or change behavior? And it doesn't, right? Yeah. Like we, that exists and you can say for further information and yes. to find out, you know, to read the laws yourself, here's the, here's where you can go. Someone might be interested in, in knowing more or reading more and allowing them to choose their own adventure that way. But it all goes back to, looking at it, I love how you kind of you went really micro and you looked at each part that was happening and saying, is this is this impact? What first of all, what's the behavior change that we're trying to make identifying that and the second part of then connecting the dot to say, well, is this changing it? Is this changing it? Is it changing it and, and being able to get rid of the things that that aren't changing it. So I, I love that that was your approach was almost like start macro. What's that? What's the behavior change we're looking to make and then go in micro be able to look at and you know, one to one and be able to kind of toss out what's not working. Uh, the other thing that really stood out to me, which I really hope people rewind, I don't know, maybe like two minutes, three minutes, and listen again, is the idea of the reality piece. So I think when we're thinking about strategy, whether we're external consultants, we're internal learning professionals, the idea of coming back to what is the reality of the situation. I know for me in my career where I've had the biggest failures is when I have not met the organization where the organization was at, where 100%. I come in with a lofty idea, the, the way that I, you know, the way that maybe I had done it before, the way that I know that honestly it would work best, quote unquote, yes. um, but not best for that company, that situation, that circumstance, that time. So I really, really love that part of your strategy is looking at what the reality is and saying, hey, yeah, in an ideal world, sure. Would this be something where people were actually hands on and you know walking up steps? You know, we <laughs> yeah. were you know, yeah. showing them how to do that yeah. and we were correcting and we were measuring and doing all the things, but the reality of the situation didn't allow for that. So now how do we make so this podcast is really all about, right? How do we make really good learning in the reality in the situation that we're in? So I really appreciate I mean, appreciate everything you said, but those two things really, really stood out to me. And also the weaving, right? So I think when you're able to then go micro and see all the different components, well, now you have, you can kind of spread them all out like puzzle pieces and say, okay, how do these all fit together? So it's kind of breaking the strategy, breaking it all apart to put it back together in a much more uh, seamless way too. So I really appreciated yeah. those perspectives that you had on that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, thinking about like the kind of skills that we use, that that's one thing that I feel like has really helped me as a learning professional is I've always known my style of learning. I think of it very much like an exponential curve. Like I, I don't learn quickly. Like I know nothing until I like know everything. Like I need oh, a mental model. I need a framework to fit it all together. I need a story to latch onto. And so I've never been good at just memorizing individual facts. I need to like 
have those facts attached to a broader story. And so that's why for me, I just naturally always come back to how does this all fit together um, into an into a narrative? Because without that, I personally can never remember it. And so I'm assuming that's a challenge for other people as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, you think about how, you know, I, I once had a coach tell me that we take in like six, I might be totally botching this, but like six movies worth of information a day, right? So oh, it's sure. like we're, take, yeah. we're taking in just so much information. How, how can we how can we help other people's brains make sense of it? Yeah. And when we can connect, you know, one to another, it's kind of like, you know, I used to go to Chili's as a kid and you get the you get, you get the menus that have all the dots that connect map. the dots yeah. and all of a sudden, oh, wow, you know, it's a dinosaur. Exactly. Right? So, you know, it's that kind of thing where it's like, all right, let me help you connect this dot to that dot. And all of a sudden now you have now you can have a behavior change right now. Yes. You know what to do next versus read this OSHA, you know thing over here. Like, well, what is that actually, actually helping me do? So exactly. I, I think that's such an important part to make. And I think as humans, we're inclined to listen to, I mean, stories have been around since before like language, yeah. right? yeah. people were, people were yeah. telling stories before they could actually tell stories. And so yeah. I think we are actually genetically, biologically hardwired to, 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 to look for those connections. And so how do we as learning professionals make that connection easier? And that sounds like that's what what you're doing. So when we think about skills, I mean, we're kind of already talking about that, but what skills did you and your team have to leverage for this particular, you know, learning intervention to make it a success? Yeah, I think the first one is is what I just said of kind of like thinking about things as a story. What's what's the story here? Um, another big one was, you know, call it not stakeholder management, but just talking with subject matter experts and meeting with subject matter experts. Cause it's obvious situation where I wasn't the expert. None of, none of my team was the expert. Um, and I think that can be a challenge, you know, depending on the learning team that you're on, sometimes your role is to be the expert. Some learning teams are focused on soft skill development, employee development, and it is seen as you are the expert that then that's distilling this information down. Um, for my company, because we work with so many other companies, like we always say, that's the first question people ask is like, well, what, what's your specialty? And it's like, our specialty is learning. Like it's a, it's about how do we work with you? How do we ask the subject matter expert what's important? And very often, you know, it was, sitting down with the EHS engineer, having them outline the whole course and exactly like you said before, just simply asking them, okay, like this, this is all great. I'm, I'm glad you have all this information here. This is a lot of knowledge, which sounds like amazing knowledge. What's the behavior you're trying to change, right? And just like really simply rolling it back there. So, you know, almost to boil it down to a skill, it's almost an interviewing skill and yeah. a listening skill of how do you ask the right questions? How do you listen? How do you guide them? Because, and this is, you know, depending on who you're working with, most people start with an assumption that knowledge is the key. And you can't, again, this depends on the person. Normally you can't just be like, that's not important. We're going to talk about this. Yeah. You have to like <laughs> guide that discussion. So I think, you know, in terms of skills, that that's probably the biggest one is having developing that relationship and working with the subject matter experts because it was still, you know, it's still compliance training, it was still e-learning. So it wasn't like we were making some kind of like augmented reality, you know, like AI driven step solution. On, or step or on the stair. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, so from the traditional instructional design skills that, you know, you, you think about, um, it wasn't like we were pushing the bounds on those. It was pushing the bounds of working with other people in the organization. I love that. And that's, I mean, that's why I'm doing this podcast in general too, because I think there's so much out there in terms of what's next for learning. And we can get really bogged down with all of these like new, flashy, big, yes. expensive things. But really what good learning boils down to is being able to work with those subject matter experts, find out and and, and dig deep with them and ask them questions and have patience with them to find out what is the behavior change that we're actually, what's the what's the root here? What's the behavior yes. change that we're actually solving for? And let me help you help you solve that. And that's that's good learning because we could have all the augmented reality in the world, but if it's not actually changing behavior, it's a waste, a total a waste, waste of, time. of time, money, energy, resources, and all of the above. So kind of going into that that topic, when you think about this particular learning intervention, what tools and technology did you and your team use to create this, roll it out, implement, yep. et cetera? So I think actually for these, we ended up using iSpring, which is honestly one of my favorite authoring tools for this kind of stuff. Uh, for And it's something that not a, not a lot of people have heard of because this was it was still, you know, we were going from slide based courses to gen basically slide based courses. Like we kind of kept with that same basic feel. We added more interaction. We added more engagement. But the main focus was just streamlining it down. But the reason why we went with iSpring is because for anybody who hasn't seen it before is iSpring is simply a plug in for PowerPoint. And so unlike Captivate or, or, or Storyline, um, where you can start with a PowerPoint and then you like merge it in to those softwares. Once it's in Storyline, it's in Storyline, yeah. right? And there's no way to interact with the subject matter expert really anymore unless you bring them over to your computer and fire it up and like walk them through the course. Whereas with iSpring, the source file is still PowerPoint. And so when you're working with subject matter experts on very like tactical level kind of content, it's really easy to continue to share that file back and forth and if you do it correctly, you can maintain the connection to all the iSpring stuff that you add into it and make it, you know, more like a normal course where you have voiceover and you have interactions and you can add all that stuff in. Um, you can add quizzing, but the source stuff is still there. So it makes that interaction just a whole lot easier. Um, and just like we were saying before, it's not super, it's not super high end. It's not, you know, blowing people's minds, but it's getting the job done. And again, like we've been saying this whole thing, when it comes to, especially with compliance courses, that's often what it comes down to. It's just like, how do you really get the right knowledge across? Um, so yeah, so that's what we used. I love it. I've done, I don't know what order all of these are going to come out in, but I was telling you before I, I batch record these. So I batch record. Um, <laughs> I, I've mentioned this on a couple of them so far. I think I've done maybe 10, maybe 15 of these interviews so far. Not one person has mentioned using Captivate or Articulate. Huh? Not one person when there I ask about tools and technology. And it's so interesting because especially on the career side of things, you know, you look at job descriptions and a lot of them are requiring this. So it's yeah. so or not requiring, but they're they're yeah. they're they're wanting that or it's it's on there. And so there's such a huge disconnect between like what actually creates good learning. And, and not to say that those don't create good yeah. learning because there's yeah. definitely times and places for them, yeah. but what I found really intriguing about what you just said was what what is coming back to the reality what is the right tool to use for this particular 
company, organization, or even topic, right? Yeah. You another topic might lend itself better to something that is you're going to dive deeper into Captivate or Storyline or whatever it may be. But here, especially when you're going back and forth with subject matter experts who are not subject matter experts in learning and development, yeah, exactly. right? Like you need to how how you need to capitalize on their knowledge of the the subject matter expertise and not on you know putting barriers up for them to be not be able to support or to help because they have to come pull up a chair and they sit at your computer and, and do all of that. And I remember like early, early, early on in my uh, L&D career, I was the subject matter expert kind of learning how to be a L&D professional. Yeah. And I would sit with the ID at her computer and like yeah. we would go through things and, you know, and I'm just like, and I look back now and I'm like, wow, like what, what a waste of, yeah. of, of resources and energy and all of that too. So I, I just really appreciate that for you, it's not just about what's the hot tool to use. It's what's actually going to get the job done. Yeah. And that's such an important thing, I think, for L&D professionals in any part of their career that these are tools that are meant to help enhance what you are doing. They're not supposed to be the end all be all. I think that with models and technologies and all the things, they're all there to help enhance. And you're, you can plug it and play and figure out what's going to be right, not even just for the specific company, but a specific topic, too. So yeah. I really appreciate your perspective on that. Yeah, no, I think that's that's absolutely right. That that is that's amazing that nobody has brought those tools up, which is yeah, definitely says. And I've had I've had e-learning designers on here, like yeah, that's like yeah. literally their entire job. And yeah. uh, you know, not to say that they haven't used it before or don't use it, but yeah. in the projects they're bringing on here, not one person has said, "Oh, I do everything I do is in you know articulate or captivate." Because they don't have the guts to admit it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it's like it's just so interesting. I think now too with the ability to create you know all these new you know, rapid authoring tools and we think it, you know we just go back to what it's not so much about all the engagement it's more about what's going to change behavior yeah and you know that's such a it doesn't always mean behavior change and engagement don't always go hand in hand with each other and so yeah. i think when we focus too much on and i like to call it entertainment and yes. it's like let's make it engaging and fun it's like doesn't have to always be like that like True. compliance is not fun or engaging yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not it's not it's actually yeah. not <laughs> and most of and most of the time if when we spend energy trying to make it that we wind up just frustrating people yeah we push them because, away yeah because everybody st we still know what at the end of the day what the point of this course is yeah and if like you're how, just, how, not to, how not to die how not to die how not to die at work yeah. <laughs> like that's really where, where we're at here like that's not fun yeah. um or i mean i guess in some ways it could be engaging and yeah. if you put it that way but yeah, yeah it's just kind of going back to that so if you think about this this project uh this intervention this learning solution that you you and your team developed thinking about it now what would you do differently if you could so if you had a could hop in your SpaceX time machine, what would you do differently? Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I'm sure I would have, I, I think one thing that was true is it took me a while to get buy-in from the broader consensus of kind of the safety team around the whole company. I had a couple stakeholders that I was closely tied with, that I worked with and kind of started getting the ball rolling quite quickly. But then there were some other people farther out in the organization like just geographically, just from the location that I was at, and they were at other locations, that it probably took me a little longer than it should have to reach out to them and bring them into the project to get full buy-in from everybody. And what that ended up doing is it just kind of delayed some of the review process a little bit later on, made it a little bit uh, more time-consuming. So bringing them in earlier, I definitely would have done. 
Uh, and then from the from the tools perspective, one thing that we definitely do differently now than we did, uh, you know, back when, for this project was um, just to bring again the point isn't entertainment, but there's still a level there where you can make it a little bit more, you know, try to jazz up just like a basic slide ah. presentation. And what we do is we leverage Beyond now for that a lot, where we just put, um, we make Beyond animations that we push into the slides. So we're doing it all in Beyond, and then we just save it as like a, a video plane in the back. It's like a background video with everything else as overlays on the, on the slide, just to give a little bit of movement. And it's not that it's not actually that time consuming, but it makes it just a lot more yeah. engaging. Um, so we'd probably include a little bit of that. Yeah, I think there's something to be said too for you know the engagement piece that just comes from something being visually appealing. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's like we yeah. all have seen like ugly documents next to a document that's like well structured, yeah. and we're like, yeah. oh, I would read that one and not not this one. So yeah. I think those things are important too. Or it's I think we get so caught up in like the engagement of like all the things for them to click and do and yeah. you know it's a candy yeah. land board and like all those things right and it's like okay but we can we could get that same engagement by taking it down a few notches too which it sounds like yeah. you're 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 at that that cusp of making sure it's engaging enough to make yes. sure the behavior change is happening that they're, sta they're staying here I, I'm, I'm capturing your attention enough and like that's really where that engagement comes from which i love yeah, all of our design philosophy comes down to, in many ways, the 80-20 rule of just like, what is the 80% in, what is the, what is the 20% of input that we gets us 80% of the impact? Yeah. You know, and like Vyond is a perfect example of that. Could I, can you do better animation than Vyond? 100%. Is it going to take way more effort? 100%. <laughs> like it's just. Yeah. And are you going to have that much more engagement? Probably yeah, exactly. Not. It's it's not going to really move the needle. So um, compared to how much additional effort it's going to take. Yeah. Well, speaking of like a measurement and effort, how did you all measure the or measuring? I don't know if it's ongoing right now, but how are you measuring or how did you measure the success of this program? Yeah. And like I said, in the beginning, a lot of the goal was streamlining. And so we took, I believe the numbers were about 35 courses and condensed them down to nine. Wow. Um, so we did that in a couple ways. One, it was, you know, they're just straight duplicate courses in some cases. But then what we also did is when we look at, you know, the entire employee population, they all had like six courses that were assigned to everybody. So let's make that one course. And by the time you get rid of all that additional information and merge stuff that said, that said consistently it's still it's not like a three hour long thing it was it was like 20 20 or 25 minutes wow. you know so we really combined a lot of stuff so we just like i said like 35 down to about nine that ended up saving we estimated something like six to seven thousand hours a year in compliance training oh my god um, so that that that's definitely times that by like someone's hourly pay yeah and... yeah exactly um, so those, so those were huge metrics. And then just by cleaning up the confusion, um, I forget the exact numbers, but we dramatically reduced like the overdues for those courses, just because we got rid of so many courses and everybody, it was clear what you were supposed to take. Um, so that was a lot easier. That's awesome. So this sounds like it was an incredible program. I mean, to go from 35 to nine, I'm just, I felt a sense of relief and I had nothing to do with this project. <laughs> right, like yeah. I, I got yeah. like, Whew, all right. Like yeah. I'm excited for these people to get in there and take their compliance training. Yeah. So yeah. sounds like it was a, a success. So what are you what are you working on now? What exciting project do you have on on deck for you? 
I mean, so like I said, that those kinds of projects are a big focus of what we're doing right now. Um, trying, we're actively looking for organizations trying to find that stuff. I'd say the other big thing that we're doing is leaning in on video. And I, so I personally have gotten into YouTube and I, we have Better Every Day Studios has a YouTube channel. And so we're learning a lot about that. And I have been learning a lot about how to make better training by watching YouTube, right? When you come back to how do you keep people engaged? How do you, you know, how do you get people moving? How do you keep them interested? How do you tell a story? That is the heart of what all YouTubers care about, you know? And a lot of it is because, because it's so easy to click away, you yeah. know, so much of what they're talking about. When you, I think maybe YouTube creators probably get a bad rap for being too like dazzly and trying to like, mm -hmm. you know, you know, just be, you know, sparkly objects everywhere. But that's not really what it's about. When you listen to YouTubers, really, you know, Mr. Beast is the best at this. If you ever listen to Mr. Beast talk about how he creates videos, which for anybody who doesn't know, he is the number one YouTuber in the world right now. He has just rewired his brain to constantly be asking, what is the viewer going to find interesting? What are they are they going to find this interesting? Are they going to want to watch? Are they going to stay engaged? And that's really kind of what we need to be thinking is like, what does the learner need? How are how are they going to use this information? Is it going to be relevant to their work? And so we've been doing a lot like a perfect example of what we're doing for a lot of companies now is every company on the planet has uh, lunch and learns or recorded our training sessions or whatever. And they throw them on a drive somewhere and be like, Hey, you can all watch this. And then nobody watches it. They wonder, yeah, they wonder why no one yeah, watched that. <laughs> it's, it's an, it's an hour long. There's like, uh, you know, five minutes of dead time while people are entering the room. And it's just, it's just, a, it's just a waste and extremely consistently. I've actually been really surprised at how consistent this is is if you edit it like a YouTube video where you're doing jump cuts and get rid of everything, you can have, you can take an hour long recording and make it eight to 10 minutes. Yeah. And then that eight to 10 minutes, you can divide up into smaller sections, you know, for each individual topics, but you just create something that's so much more engaging. Uh, you can throw it in a rise course really quickly and, and do stuff with it. Um, so it's just a really easy way to take the content that companies already have right? You already have this content. It's just sitting there unused. And in a couple hours, you can transform it into something that's actually engaging. Oh, yeah. I, I love that, too, because I think a lot of times, and I've been guilty of this in the past, but a lot of times you think, okay, well, I have this content and, you know, it's really good, but I'm going to put it here and people will grab it, but I'm going to, I want to re-record it. I want it to have a better background. I want the yeah. sound to be better. And we, but then, you have that times a hundred and you have other things coming there. up, right? And you never get there. And then people who actually could use the content just chopped up and just scaled down yeah. don't ever get it too. Yeah. So I think we we get stuck in that. I see this so much with, with L and D, we get stuck in that perfectionism loop yeah. where it's it has to be perfect. It has to be so manicured. It has to be, you know, perfectly edited. And it's like it actually doesn't. Like if we some of the YouTube videos I watch, I'm like, all right, they're using like they're they're camera their, yeah their iphone you know, their, their iphone yeah. camera yep. you know their iphone 10 and like they're but and things are shaking around but i'm here i'm yep. watching i'm learning yep. I, the best example <laughs> i was in my old old company i had to set up dual monitors i was like i have no idea how to do this and i watched the shittiest youtube video like it, it was
was not like it was yeah. this was like some dude on his iphone like, you know see, holding you it, plug it here you, the you, thing. yeah <laughs> and i was like this is great two yeah. minutes later i had dual monitors it wasn't you know i didn't need yeah. like welcome back to my channel and today you yeah. know it's like yeah. which there's there's benefits and cons to both that but yeah. uh I, I love how you talked about that and that's like a big emphasis of what what you help uh companies do so yeah when you think about your number one tip what would you share with us and when it comes to creating really good learning? Um, well, I'd say I'd say focus on behavior, but we already talked about that a lot. So the other one I would say is get specific. Just the more specific you can be with what you are actually trying to train, the better. Um, because and, and that specificity should kind of be in relation to how much time do you honestly have. But I think the one of the top mistakes we make is say, I'm going to have an hour long interview skills course. Like, really? <laughs> like interview skills in an hour? Like that's a lifetime, right? And what yeah. does interview skills even mean? So it's like, okay, I, I have an hour. So I'm going to teach people how to read and deconstruct a resume. Like, okay, like I, I can, I can get down, down with that. Like that makes sense. Cause then you have time to actually like talk about, okay, what is the, what, what do we mean? Why is it important? Let's practice it. You know, how do I remove my bias while I'm reading a resume? Like you, you could actually get into it. Um, but the more specific you can get, uh, the better. I think that's, yeah. you know. I love that. My coach calls it micro potency. Ooh, how can we get to like that, like micro, like make it super potent, just like you said, here is how you review a resume, yeah. you know, because you think about, I, I think it's so easy for us to fall into those like broad topics. Um, it's funny, I mean, you know, you're going to be a camp counselor at, at L&D Career Summer Camp, but um, even when I put that survey out, a lot of people gave me real, I said, I want them to walk away having done one thing. And some people wrote back, like, they're going to be able to do all of these things. I'm like, no, they're not, not, yeah. not in 60 minutes. No. There is no, there is no way, you know, that they're plotting the next 20 years of their life in 60 minutes, yeah. you know, they can be plot like the next day. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's something, and these are all learning professionals. And so it's easy yeah. for us to get into that mindset of like, here's the big topic and let me fit everything in. But yeah. I love, it sounds like in everything that you are doing that you're kind of flipping it on its head and saying like, how can we, how can we zero in, zero yeah. in, zero in to have that bigger overall impact? So yes. um, so much good learning. Yeah. We love if, that. Yeah. If I, if I ever write a book about, I really want to write a book one day about personal development and it's. Okay. So, um, when, it's, so when you write a book. Yeah. When I write a book mm -hmm. about personal development, it's going to be called Lower the Bar. Uh, I, I love it. You heard I, it. You all heard yeah. it here first. Yeah. Yes. All right. I need to go trademark it now or whatever. Yeah. yeah. No, one take, no one take that. No one take that. He said it here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have it. We have it on video and we have it on audio. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. Well, Matt, I know a lot of people are a probably thinking like, uh, can you please come help us do this with our <laughs> compliance training? So I know a lot of people are thinking about that. They're probably also wanting just to know where they can follow you, learn from you, buy your book in the future. Where can people find you, connect with you, learn how to work with you, um, and kind of what you can give us a rundown to what services you offer for people to, to know more about that? Yeah, absolutely. The, the easiest way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn, so you can look me up there. 
uh, Matthew Jertsen. There's not a whole lot of us on there. Um, and uh, then to find out more about Everyday Studios, it's just bettereverydaystudios.com. Like I said, we do kind of the full range of instructional design services. So everything from, you know, a needs analysis, ideation, we can come in and just like do all the interviews and ask all the questions to figure out wh where are the gaps? What do you need? And then we can deliver you a plan of like, these are the things that we could help you with. These are the things that you can do yourself. These are, here's some other people who could do this for you because we won't pretend to answer all of your, be able to answer all of your problems because we okay. can't. Um, and then, and then if you know what you need or after that, then we can help you with the actual creation and implementation of, of a lot of that, of all of that training. Um, so that's kind of the whole spectrum of, of what we can, of what we do for, for organizations. Um, and then, yeah, like you mentioned earlier on, we have a podcast called the Making Better Podcast. So you can find that on any, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can search for the Making Better Podcast. And in you're listening that, to, you're on a podcast platform right now. So pause exactly. And go find it. <laughs> exactly. And what we really focus on there, really similar to, to, to this podcast is, although we're not looking at specific interventions, but rather than thinking about like enterprise learning, it's more about small teams. So we have on a lot of people who are like anywhere from like one person to five person learning teams, the kind of teams where everybody does everything. You know, there's there's no there's no specialists in in e-learning development on a five person team more than yeah. likely like they're also handling the lms they're maybe doing a little bit with orientation you know um so that's what we focus on there and then like i said we have a, a youtube channel you just uh look up better everyday studios and we're there so we're kind of all awesome. over the place awesome i will link all those in the show notes too thank so you that so way much everyone, everyone can everyone can find them well not thank you so much this was so great and again it was just so wonderful to hear your perspective on creating good learning and I know, you know, I'm not in a position where I'm tackling compliance training yet in my company yeah. as it grows. We'll see. <laughs> uh, I will call you. Uh, <laughs> that is not my forte. But I can only imagine how many people are listening to this that are feeling a sense of relief uh, from looking at it from a different direction. And so yeah. I really appreciate you coming on talking about uh, the topic that a lot of people don't like talking about. Like I said, no. I didn't know ahead of time that's what we were talking about. And as soon as you said it, I was like, yes. Um, this is a, <laughs> it's, a, it's so meaty and you know there is a way to make it really impactful as yes. well so thank you so so much i know everyone's going to want to be uh, connecting with you too so i'll drop all of those links but really appreciate you spending time with us today awesome thank you so much sarah it's been great thank you so much for listening to this episode of the good learning podcast i hope you got both inspiration and practical tools that you can use to create your very own good learning if this podcast impacted you in any way, please consider giving us a review to share your feedback. We would love to hear how you're applying tips from the show to your own work. And if you're looking for help in creating your very own good learning strategy for your organization, check out realgoodlearning.com to see how we can help.